0: 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we are still working through this chapter under the heading of the spiritual gifts as a gift of the Holy Spirit to his church. We want to work out how do these things apply to us and how did it apply to the Corinthian church. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12 And we are going to read verses 12 to 31. On the other hand, after we've read this chapter, you don't close the Bible and just leave it there. We'll come back and also look at chapter 13 very quickly. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to read verses 12 to 31. The body is a unit... Though it is made up of many parts, and though all parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one Spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, And we are all given the one spirit to drink. Now, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, Because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, (coughs) excuse me, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, would it for that reason cease to be part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the part in the parts in the body Those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable and the parts that we think are less honorable we treat with special honor and the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty while we, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it so that there should be no division in the body but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. And in the church, God has appointed first of all apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then workers of miracles, also those having gifts of healing, those able to help others, those those with gifts of administration, and those speaking in different kinds of tongues are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all have the gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret, but eagerly desire the greater gifts. And now I will show you the most Excellent way. May the Lord help us then to understand this part of the Bible and apply it rightly. May He give us insight through His Holy Spirit. We have come to this part in this reading of the Scriptures as part of our study of the Bible in terms of the gifts of the Spirit. Just to recap, Ephesians chapter 4, it tells about the gifts given to the church so that each one, according to the gift given, would help to build up the church so that we become mature as we display our unity in Christ under his leading. Then we looked at First uh, Corinthians chapter 12, the first part of the chapter where it talks about the fact that God gives gifts as he determines and it is for the good and the benefit of all. No gift is given as ever given which is not for the benefit of the church. Then last week we looked at who the Corinthian what the Corinthian church really looked like and as we went through 1 Corinthians we understand that basically from about every chapter in that book that the Corinthians had a problem with basically every aspect of theology and worship. It was There was basically, let's put it this way, Corinthians is not a model church. It was no model church. So if we want to take from the Corinthians only chapter 12 and 14, to base the whole theology of gifts to the church as if what happened there was a model to us all, then we find that we ran into trouble there. So today I want to then stress the fact that the practical aspects concerning the spiritual gifts In the Corinthians church. And of course then how it applies to us. Practical gifts. And ask the question. are, are, Are all gifts equally important? Are all gifts equally important? We must keep in mind that 1 Corinthians. Is mainly a letter in reply to questions. Put to the apostle Paul. He does not write to them in this particular letter, because he wanted to address certain things. He is actually replying to certain questions they put to him. They ask him about marriage, about food sacrifice to the idols, and spiritual gifts. And every time when he introduces another subject that they ask his advice upon, Paul starts that new section with now about this and that, and now about this and that. It is it is that he said, Okay, now I'm answering you on these things. So they asked him about this too. So he answered him them in verse one of chapter twelve now about spiritual gifts. What is marvelous about the approach of the apostle Paul is that he is so pastoral. In the way in which he dealt with them, that it is in more than one ways astounding. In other parts of the letter that he wrote to them, he was very stern. He was he was very uh, upfront, and but when it comes to these things, he he had concern for partially concern for the situation in which they lived. You can keep in mind. You would keep in mind then that. Last week we looked at the fact that basically, as people said that on every street corner in Corinth you would find another temple to another god, and therefore people then to become Christians and then to worship in a very simple way in a house, they would bring with them something of their their experience of worshiping in various temples, and you know that there was, for instance, this temple, a huge big temple that they uh, erected there in, uh, in the name of the God of healing. You know, See, so you can imagine that when they then came together uh, in the Christian church that they would expect maybe some of the things that happened there to happen here too. And they were in many ways very concerned that he didn't. And in some cases, well, he did. And now the Apostle Paul had to answer them from the framework of the Scriptures as to how they have to deal with these things. In their ecstatic experience they had in some other temples, some of them brought those ecstatic experience into the Christian church. How to deal with these things? They asked him about it, and now he answered them. In verse uh, 1, he said, Now concerning the gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Now that ignorant means without knowledge. It implies that the question they asked about it displayed some form of ignorance on their part. As in many, many other areas of the life of the Corinth church, it appears that the apostle was concerned about the fact that they had a lack of understanding on the part of the church concerning these gifts. What they practiced was not correct and he had to, to uh, uh, help them in this process. To be without knowledge is typical of the pagans and other people under the influence of idols, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 2. The knowledge of God for the Christian is different. It is not only this, uh, uh, that we know a lot of things or information we have, but it is how to apply that so that it is right according to God's Word. So knowledge is information plus faith plus obedience by practical obedience uh, application of the knowledge in the holy life of the Christian as people saved in the blood of Christ and sanctified by the Holy Spirit. That is what Christian living is. There were years, many, many years, over many, many centuries, that the church made it their business to educate the people about God. Knowledge was extremely important, and it is important, which I think that has almost fallen by the wayside in our day and age. People don't know about the Bible. Or, let's put it this way, people don't know the Bible. You remember how many catechisms were written so that people would from children would from the early stages in their life could have knowledge. And as they acquire those the knowledge, they would then be taught not only in terms of what the Bible says, but in terms of holy living by example of elders and, and elderly people of how to apply those things in the Christian life. In our day and age, I think we need to go back and make a lot, once again, of Bible knowledge. How many of you today would be sitting here able to to, to quote Bible verses one after the other? Why? Because when you were just a little boy or girl, you were taught memory verses. you remember that? Memory verses. Nowadays how many of us would be able to quote a Bible verse again if it was not for that opportunity we had then? Two very important principles that we need to understand from that, and it might come as a shock. Directly after making these introductory remarks, the Apostle said two very important qualifications and when he talks about <coughs> the, the, the gifts now, he's only talking about the so-called speaking gifts. So by the way, speaking gifts. If that is a correct labeling of, uh, of the word there, I don't know, but I got that in some commentary. The speaking gifts are message of wisdom, the message of, wis- uh, of prophecy of different kinds of tong- tongues and the interpretation of tongues. But when he speaks about this, he says, <clears throat> No one can, by the Spirit, curse Jesus. It is not impossible to think that some members of the Corinth church, or at least some who came to worship with them, actually cursed the Lord Jesus Christ and threw it by the Spirit. I mean you can come you can come and talk in a in a language that no one knows. You can say things that no one knows. I, I went I went to uh on a trip between South Africa and and uh in Australia, I stopped in Singapore and I was wrapped buying some silk ties there. And you, you can buy silk ties there those days for ten dollars. I mean it was just cheap. I bought one with some, something written on it. and I'll, I'll, I'll never, rem, never forget that when I, when I got to a certain church in Brisbane, someone asked me, where did you get that tie? And of course I was quick to answer. I got it for $10 in Singapore and the person said, what does it say on it? I said, I haven't got a clue. And well, they said, you better make sure that you know what's written on it before you buy it. For all you know, it could be something ugly. Am I right? Yeah. So if people like with those with, in the time of Corinth would speak in all forms of tongue, they could actually say something without really knowing what it is. There was an experience in in and if i if I limit my experience to what I know about is in it was in South Africa there was a gathering of people who were in the spirit you know, and uh, someone walked in and rattled off a lot of things in a tongue no one could understand, or well he thought no one could understand because there was someone else who could understand one of the African languages very well, and he realized that this fellow was just talking in that language. But this fellow actually said a lot of bad things. And he got up and he said, you better sit down and shut up. You're in God's church. Point of the matter is, how would we know if someone speaks in a language that what is said is biblically correct and it's honoring God. The next thing is without the spirit no one can know Jesus calling him Lord. In other words what the apostle wants to say here is this. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior be sure that you are blessed with the Holy Spirit. There are some people out there who who say that if you have not spoken in tongues, if you've not been ecstatic, if you've not done all these things, then you are not a Christian yet. The apostle says, know this. If God planted in your heart that sure knowledge that you are his child, you know how you know that? You know that by the Spirit. So with those introductory remarks, let's go to the practical application. What follows in the rest of this chapter is basically to show the Corinthians how these principles are applied by the Holy Spirit in the church. There are different gifts, but the same spirit. He says in verse 11, all these are at work one are uh, The work of one and the same spirit as he gives to each one just as he determines. It's one and the same spirit. This means that no one can doubt the salvation of the other purely based on the manifestation or the lack of the manifestation of certain gifts. You get that? I want to apply this. If there are people out there with certain gifts, those without the gifts should not look at them and say, I am not gifted as that person, therefore I am not gifted by the Spirit. The one with the gifts cannot look down on the one who does not manifest a specific gift as if that person who does not manifest that gift is not a christian i've had how many times that when we gather in in groups of ministers from other churches and other denominations that you get the idea sometimes that people say oh you poor presbyterian you've not spoken in tongues you don't know not much of the of the works of, uh, of prophecy, you don't know much about the work of miracles and all those things. Poor you. Well, let's be honest, there are times that I thought it might be a good idea if I can waltz in and say, well, something special happened this week. But it didn't apart from the fact that sometimes you did go to hospital or you go to the sickbed of someone, like one specific day when I went to this lady and uh, I walked in and, and I asked her how she was. I had no idea who she was because her sister went, uh, rang me up and she said, could you please visit my sister in the hospital? She said, I'll but don't tell her that I rang you. Don't ever tr- do that with your minister, okay? Don't tell him to go and see someone, but tell him that no one told you to go there, especially if you don't know that person. And I walked in, and this lady said to me, oh, they probably rang you up and tell you that I'm dying. So what do you say? I thought I'd be honest, and I said, yes, they told me that you are dying, you've got cancer that's why they're concerned for you and that's why I'm here to pray for you she said I appreciate that and you know what I believe that God can heal me and uh, we spent some time together I hold, held her hand and I prayed for her there was no, no ecstatic anything that happened there it was a Thursday morning it was about half past 11 I remember that and I left. And on Sunday morning at the church, we uh, usually met people as they came into church. There was this lady. in amongst everyone, she was walking up to me with a smile that big on her face. And she said, on Friday morning, when uh, she went in for more scans and tests and all these, they couldn't find One single cancer cell in her body. She was healed by God's grace. Was I the only one who prayed for her? No. Did God answer my prayer only? No. Did he answer my prayer? Yes. These things happen. Do I have the gift of healing? No. That's why I go to the doctor myself. The next thing that the Apostle says is we are all baptized by one Spirit into one body and we are all given the one Spirit to drink. The fountain out of which all born again Christians drink is the Holy Spirit, but not, only, but not all Christians will display the same gifts of the Spirit at all times. Therefore, no Christian has the right to look down on others doubting the authenticity of their salvation just because they didn't display certain gifts. That is what the Bible talks about in verses 14 to 20 of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, The theme then of 21 to 27 is to point out that there is no such a thing as an important or a more honorable spiritual gift of one on top of the other. There cannot be division in the church. Because the church is the body of Christ based on the different functions assigned to different members by the same spirit. The question is not which gifts are important and which are unimportant. The question is not about gifts at all. The matter is the purpose of the gift. We've got it wrong if we think that it's all about the gift. The gift is not given for the gift itself. The gift is given for the purpose of it. And the purpose of it is to build up the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. What did the Holy Spirit have in mind with the gift is what counts, and not what the person can say about him or herself and others based on that gift they received. So now he goes into what is most beneficial for the church, and he ranks the gifts. There is no distinction between people based on the gifts they received from God. All members of the household of God are important. I can't say that I'm more important than anyone else. I can't say because I, I happen to preach every Sunday, I'm more important. All of us are important, but all not everything we do are necessarily equally important. The fact of the matter is, people and gifts are not the same. I am not my gift. And you are not your gift, and your worth does not lie in the gift you have been given, but your worth lies in the fact that you know the Lord Jesus Christ and that you are part of the body. We are members of the body of Christ, and as members we receive gifts for the benefit of the whole body. fact is, not all gifts are equally important. There are certain things that are just not important, or not as important. With this in mind, the apostle spells out the purpose of the gifts and he gives the gifts a ranking and he uses terms like first of all, and then second, and then third, and then after that, and then, and then, and then. What do you do when you do that? You list them in terms of what is important, isn't it? What comes last in this list? Check that out. What comes last in this list? Speaking in tongues. To me, it says a lot, especially if you keep in mind that the speaking in tongues is only mentioned in one church in the Bible. The Apostle Paul does not hint to this in Colossians or Ephesians or Galatians or Thessalonians. And When it comes to the New Testament churches, I mean the churches in Revelation, nothing is hinted about these things. I think it's also important to note that the, the the word "determine" in verse eleven is stated in the present tense. Go and look that through. That it is not as the Holy Spirit determined past tense. If this were the case, it would uh, uh, we could argue that the spiritual gifts are set and cannot be changed. But the point Paul wants us to make want to make to us is that the Holy Spirit is actively involved in the life of His church. He gives to the church. For their everyday need, according to the circumstances they live in, that they may uh, uh, equip and edify the church. But circumstances change. And it might be even different from one church to the other. I was so impressed on Friday night when we went to this concert uh, held by the Watoto Choir in uh, the high school hall. And there they they were these African people are singing and worshipping in the way that fits in with their culture. And I thought to myself, can you just imagine a group of Presbyterians dancing and clapping like these people would do? Half of us would not be able to lift our knees, uh, uh, you know, off the ground. And these people were doing it. And I thought to myself, if they'd ask me to come, because eventually at one song they they turn around and say, would you do what they do? And I stood there like a... You know, I couldn't do it. It's important for African people, apparently, to to worship that way. I know them. That's, That's how it is. Just to mention a few things for you. There are gifts not mentioned in the list there that some people in the charismatic churches today See, as very important, and I wonder myself, why is that not included That Two gifts. The gift of music. Isn't, that a, isn't it interesting that in the charismatic churches, and I'm not saying that it's not so in our churches... But it's all about music. It's all about singing. If you can do that for 45 minutes or an hour and a half before someone utters the Bible, a word out of the Bible, maybe 20 minutes or 15 minutes after that, but an hour and a half you have to sing. You need people there. You need musicians there. You need to have people gifted in all sorts of other things to be there. Why is that not mentioned there? Why? Why? purely because at that stage, music was probably not as important as it is today. Another gift that not mentioned there, and it would not be mentioned there, because it didn't apply then. It is a wonderful gift to have people like Steve with us, who has some gifts in terms of the electronic world, You got a lot of people in some big churches and they won't be able to operate if they didn't have the people to operate the sound equipment and the visual things and the electronic computer stuff. You have to be gifted in that sense to bring your gifts to the church and everyone would grow and be edified. What do we deduce from this? The least of gifts given in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is not exhaustive and it does not apply to the church of all times so that's not our model said enough what about love You've got the Bible open at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and I won't dwell on this for long. The apostle Paul calls love a great gift. It says there in the end of verse uh thirty one of chapter twelve, he says, and now I will show you the most excellent way. He says. You think you've got gifts of healing and prophecy. You think you've got gifts of speaking in tongues. You've got gifts of all these things. You know what's the best? Love. Then in verse 1 he says, verse chapter 13, one might have the gift of tongues, but without that love, a gift becomes nothing but a noise. Noise serves no one apart from being an annoyance and a disturbance. And I find it so sad that people look down upon other people in in disgust almost if they cannot display these gifts as others can display them. And the apostle says, where's your love? Where is your love? Where, where is that thing that you can look upon another Christian and say, I love you, even if you don't have the same gifts as I have? Verse 2. One might have the gift of prophecy. And it goes all back to, to chapter 12 in the beginning. Or you might have the gift of knowledge, according to verse twelve of uh, verse eight of chapter twelve, and you could know all the mysteries, and you could have faith—the faith mentioned in chapter 9, verse nine—to move mountains. Wouldn't it be wonderful to have the, the gift of, of 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 faith to tell the mountain to go? I always had—I always dreamed that I could have that faith. Mum sent me down to buy a loaf of bread. The shop was down in the, down in the valley, and I had to come back with my bicycle, and I had this mountain to go out, and I thought to myself, wouldn't it be wonderful to have that gift? Yeah, the only problem is you would have another gift on your way back. If you are nothing without love, then all the faith and all the knowledge and all, the, the, all these things would mean nothing because it would not contribute to the common good of the church. Verse 3. What a marvelous statement. If I have the gift to serve others in the form of helping other people or healing them or administration or in whatever other way and i don't have the love that goes with it it means absolutely nothing it would not be to the common good of the church verse 4 love is patient love is that thing that says to others you are still perhaps growing in your faith you are not spiritually mature but I'll be with you all the way, and I will help you, and I will, and, and together we will grow. And love is kind, and it does not say to other parts of the body with different gifts, or maybe no gifts, I don't need you. Love does not envy when others have received greater gifts, so-called greater gifts than the self. Love does not boast or it's not proud when it compares itself with the lesser gifts. Verse 8. Love cannot be destroyed or become redundant. In contrast, prophecies will cease. And the form of the word and the verb there and cease in the Greek says it will cease itself. It will stop. It will in some ways become redundant. As the prophets of the Old Testament were unique in giving us God's word, so the prophets of the New Testament were unique in giving us the word of God. Now the canon is closed. We have the Bible in its totality. Prophecies has, have ceased itself. There is now no new prophecies with the same authority as the Word of God. When we, but when we love, we love. Our love is there because it's essential and it's eternal command. Love one another as I loved you. Love will never stop. Prophecies will. Tongues will. Love will no, never stop. All these ecstatic gifts of knowledge and tongues and prophecies are given in an era of imperfection. We know in part. We prophesy in part. But when the perfect is come, love will remain. What is perfect? Perfect. I understand it to say that we've got the Bible, everything we need to know about God. Listen to what the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3.15. The Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through the faith which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be, listen to these words, complete Thoroughly equipped for every good work. The Bible is there. We don't need more than that. As a matter of fact, those who want to add to that will add to them the curses written about in the Bible. Verse 11, the importance of the spiritual growth. He says, When I was a child, I thought like a child and all these. Why does he say this? It's a very pastoral way of telling the people in Corinth, grow up. Grow up. Put the childish things behind you. It is impossible to say that Paul uh, uh, looked back and, 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 and then he says, uh, it is, I'll just read that. It is impossible to say that Paul looked back at all he has said this far about the Corinthians' preoccupation with some lesser spiritual gifts and now conclude that they are actually still like children in the faith. And of all these things, when he concludes, of faith and hope, love is the greatest. How would you like to be remembered as a church? As a church with all sorts of ecstatic gifts? Or would you be remembered or known as a church who loves? A church that knows the love of Christ for one another, for the lost, for the scriptures. That's what counts. I've known of many, many, many churches where all these ecstatic gifts were practiced and are practiced, and some people walk away from it, rejected disillusioned, lost, without love. Next week, Lord willing, we'll go to chapter 14 and we'll try to answer some questions there from the Bible. Let us pray. Our God and our Father, teach us to love, teach us to Have patience with one another. Teach us to grow up in our Christian faith. Teach us to love you, to love your word, to love your people. Teach us, Lord, to do our bit, everyone, as you have gifted us in different ways. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hymn number 293, Christ is made the sure foundation.
1: the Christ in three adoring glad and eternally. as living sons invoke you come among us Lord today with your gracious loving kindness Hear your children, as we pray, in the fullness of your blessing, in our fellowship display. Year in trust to all your servants, here we long from you. That on earth and in the heavens we want people to...